3: What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Jacob. Today, I am joined by the one and only Taylor Peterson.
4: That's quite the intro there. Thank yeah.
3: you. You're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. I do what I can. We've got uh, one Nick Crane on the line from down in Dallas.
5: Westworld Season 3 has come to a close. I thought it was great, but
4: everyone else is talking a lot of trash. <laughs> I can it.
3: How many uh, episodes was season
4: three? Eight. Eight. They cut it down yeah. from two because the show's so ridiculously expensive to film. Oh. I mean, they haven't actually said that's why, but it's assumed that's why.
3: Okay. We've but, also got from right down the street from me, uh, <laughs> literally a stone's throw away, if you could throw a stone really far. Call me
2: Moravian. It's like, what? It's like .89 miles. Something like that. I've been jogging by your house every day. No, know. That's my Who can throw a stone?
5: Point eight miles. Uh, but I can
2: Mayfell, bet throw that football At over those moms. mountains over there. Not, not Dick Dak Prescott, <laughs> Andy Dalton, though. No?
4: Uh,
2: Andy. Pat good. Mahomes can. Uncle, Uncle Rico.
4: Speaking of that, this is kind of uh, for our football fans listening. Let's see if I, here it is. Um, so this is a tweet from Pete Sweeney. He's and one of the founders of Arrowhead Pride, which is a Kansas City Chiefs SB Nation site. Anyways, this is an interesting tweet. Tom Brady is a Buccaneer. Philip Rivers is a Colt. Andy Dalton is a Cowboy. Nick Foles is a Bear. Jameis Winston is a Saint. Teddy Bridgewater is a Panther. Marcus Mariota is a Raider. And Cam Newton has no team. Wild offseason. Good times. In yeah, the it's NFL
3: interesting. World. I'm, uh... None of those things affect me at all because I'm not an <laughs> NFL guy.
2: Fair. Yeah, NFL sucks. NFL
3: sucks. I agree with that statement. No, I I would settle for any sports right now. Like, so true. I've heard they're playing baseball in South Korea,
4: and I'm like, you know what? I might tune into that. Try and find I might way. watch some Dude, South Korean I baseball. I
2: hate baseball. So oh do my I. God, it's garbage. I.
4: I have
3: like, what's worse to watch?
2: Baseball. Baseball, golf, baseball. or tennis? Baseball. Tennis is fun, and it's a very difficult sport. I
3: mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it difficult, difficult, but it's but still not, it's not fun much. to watch.
2: Oh, hell yeah. It's more fun than watching I baseball.
4: Actually, I actually, I can get into certain tennis matches. Yeah, like, it's uh, very competitive. I cannot. Even Have you been a to
1: a baseball a game, like golf. a professional,
4: baseball game,
5: yes, a professional baseball, baseball. baseball game? Yes, I've been to a
2: professional baseball game. I'd rather watch Serena Williams kick somebody's ass, yeah, ass than watch the first baseman just sit there the entire game.
5: Okay, there's a difference between Serena Williams playing tennis and like the the conglomerate of AKA. There's a difference tennis.
2: between a professional tennis player and watching professional baseball, is what you just said. I mean, you picked one of the greatest
5: tennis players of all time Nick, to compare to baseball as a whole. Watch
2: the 17th seed of professional tennis than watch whoever of the baseball teams. It's America's pastime.
3: Just stay in the pastime. You don't time. have a team
2: that just you enjoy watching. Just stay why. in the pastime, Nick.
3: The only, only baseball, baseball games game I, I like, to, like go to go to are the, the – back in the day, they had the Red Hawks games where you paid like 25 bucks for a ticket, but then you got to eat for free at the concession stands all night. That's the, the only, the only time, time I, I like can. to go.
5: Well, they have that at the, uh, a lot of the professional baseball games. You just
4: got to go try it out. Hey, I will yeah, say uh, yeah. Tulsa Drillers do like $1 Thirsty Thursdays or whatever. You can get like $1 beers. That's kind of fun. We used to do that in college. Nice.
2: That, uh, it's the only thing Tulsa has. <laughs> hey. I'll get you drunk quick.
3: So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we've, we've BSed for long enough here, guys. We have uh, some stuff to talk about on this podcast tonight. We are going to discuss Ian Begley's article over the Chris Paul to the Knicks trade idea. Uh, we are going to continue our series of If the Playoffs Started Now. We're also going to come up with some new ratings for 2K uh, for different things that players can get ranked on, and we're going to rank players based off of our new criteria. So, But first off, let's start with some Chris Paul stuff. So back whenever basketball was still being played, uh, Ian Begley reported that the Knicks this offseason would be interested in making a Chris Paul trade. They thought that uh, Chris had played a very good season, Uh, he still had a lot in the tank, and to kind of reset their culture and their bring a not reset their leadership, but bring an actual leader in that can mentor guys, their young guys, especially RJ Barrett. So that was reported months ago, and then this past week, Ian wrote an article breaking down a couple of trade ideas for Chris Paul and the Knicks, a way to get Chris Paul up into New York. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris Paul's former agent is now the general manager of the New York Knicks. What's his name again? I can't remember. Leon Rose. Anyone got it?
4: Leon Rose.
3: Leon Rose. There you go. Thank you. So Leon Rose is now the GM of the Knicks, and so there's already a relationship there with Chris Paul, obviously. So Ian tossed out two trade ideas, and the only reason that these two work are because the Knicks have multiple non-guaranteed deals, to where they could essentially trade a player to the Thunder. The Thunder don't guarantee the contract, and it just goes off the books, and it saves money. So these trades are actually like uneven and wouldn't work in a vacuum. You would have to also include uh, non-guaranteed deals, and then after the trade goes through, uh, not pick up the contract and let the guy walk instead. Uh, But the two trades are this. He proposed Chris Paul for Reggie Bullock, and Frank Nilakina. The other one is basically the same. Chris Paul for Reggie Bullock. We're just swapping out young guys here. Uh, this time for Kevin Knox. Uh, obviously, Reggie Bullock is not someone that the Thunder would even remotely consider like building around or keeping around long term. This would probably also include someone like Taj Gibson, who the Thunder would acquire and then just not guarantee his contract and pay the, like the two or three million and let him go. Uh, So this basically comes down to which younger guy do you like more, Frank Nilakina or Kevin Knox? So a couple of questions for you guys. First off, of those two deals, which one do you prefer? Basically asking which young guy do you like better? Secondly, do you think the Thunder would consider either of these? And then third, if not, what are some Chris Paul trades to the Knicks that you think are actually useful for both sides?
4: I think the, the thund, just to start off, I, I think the Thunder would, or, or Presti, would definitely consider some of these trades, um, getting some young players in return, especially the Kevin Knox deal. Um, that seems like a guy that Presty would definitely be willing to take a flyer on, as we've seen with this current team. He certainly seems to uh, enjoy some of the raw athletes that come out of Kentucky. So I, I think to to get the opportunity to, um, to get his hands on Kevin Knox and try and mold him with his player development, I think um that that would probably be the one that interests him the most but that's just my opinion I'm curious what you guys think
2: it seems like Sam is trying to acquire that very underachieving Kentucky Wildcats team if they did get Kevin Knox because Shea uh Diallo and Knox were all on the same team and they really really underperformed and um I hate Frank Ntilikina's game. I don't think he's ever going to be a good player in the NBA. So the only the only reason why, the only one that if I had to choose, I would choose the one with Knox. But I would want more than Knox in return. I would want picks or something. So, um, but wasn't am I wrong in thinking that wasn't there something along the lines of Presti being? interested or intrigued by frank milikina not that long ago or was that just a proposed trade idea like a year ago i can't remember
3: i think it was just proposed Okay. Uh, I, I think it was just yep. one of those it's like a,
2: a floater sort of thing
3: yeah kind of like that time that i wrote about the thunder should maybe consider trading steven adams for kevin love and then, <laughs> and then it got reported it was thunder are rumored to be trading steven adams for kevin love i think it was one of those types of things
2: yeah frank milikina sucks
3: i um I think I prefer the Knox one as well. Uh, I I like a, y- the younger aspect. Knox is younger than Nilakina. He's farther away from an extension on his contract. Uh, he fits that wing mold a little bit better. And but but the thing with both Knox and Nilakina, they both drastically underperformed in New York. And I don't know True. how much that is because they're bad players, and how much it is. because... It's just the New York freaking Knicks, and, like, they suck at player development. The Knicks, man. Um, like, Knicks. I don't hate Neil Akina. I think he could be, like, I don't think he's going to be an all-star, right? I don't think he's going to get close to an all-star game. But could he be, like, a really solid backup? Um, could he be, like, a 25-minute-a-night a guy um, in the right system with the right player development fo- focusing on certain strengths of his game? You know, Who knows? Uh, same thing with Kevin Knox. Like People are like, oh, dude, Knox sucks. I think there's something there. I just don't think the the Knicks organization can get that out of him where a franchise like Golden State or Oklahoma City or San Antonio or Miami uh, really could. So if I had to choose one of the two, I'd probably go Kevin Knox.
4: So I think that's what the Knicks are going to try and sell Presti on in trade discussions, right? It's like, no, we aren't going to throw in a – Pick or anything, um, these guys can develop into future the, players. The future the Knicks' argument is, "Hey,
3: I know sucks. this player doesn't look really good, but it's it because we suck. really suck at our jobs. But we
4: don't suck anymore because we have Leon Rose in charge now, so everything's going to be just fine." Yeah, they're going to go like that it. route. <laughs> I like so, it because they don't want to. They don't, don't want to throw picks in for Chris Paul, and there's not a lot of teams that do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with Kamiar. I think there, and one of my, the one trade that I came up with uh, includes more than just Kevin Knox, but um, I'm not sure the Knicks are going to be willing to throw in a pick to get Chris Paul.
5: So that, that brings up the question, uh, we've talked about this a bunch over the past week, if these were your only two trades on the table this offseason, it's either you take one of these or you um, keep riding with Chris at least through a, a, a good chunk of the next season. Are you taking one of these two, or are you writing it out?
3: That's interesting because that you have to balance the idea of like, is the height of Chris's value this summer, right? What if he comes back next year and he's not good? What but if, if or gets hurt? Injures, Yeah, yeah okay. he injures himself. Um, that's that's the big question here. Um, I don't think that's enough for Chris Paul. I think the Thunder uh, would demand a pick. What if the Knicks uh, really? like luck out in the lottery this year and end up with like pick six and they're in a, in a week draft and they say, okay, we'll give you uh, pick six for Chris Paul, but you have to send us uh, a, a Ferguson or a Diallo or somebody young back in return. I don't know if the Thunder would consider doing, doing that for Baisley, but you had to send us something, something young back in return as well. And we'll give you uh, our pick or what if they think getting Chris Paul and another season of RJ Barrett and, um another season of Mitchell Robinson. they'll be decent next year, and so they say we'll trade you our twenty twenty one pick top 10 protected uh, for Chris Paul, that's the ideal scenario. I think the Thunder want to continue to stockpile draft picks because that's the best currency in the NBA. Um, but man, if I had to choose to either take one of those deals or bring Chris Paul into the season and try to trade him at the deadline, I I think I take him into the season because you've already got That's value off of him because you got those two Houston picks. Everything else is just icing on the cake.
4: And then you already have these other players around him. You know, um, I, I I think that they could continue to have success into the trade deadline. And then you see if you can get get lucky around the trade deadline and flip him for whatever you can, or you just write out the season again. And there's one less year on this contract. He's he only has one year left after that that season. You can trade him more way more easily at that point.
5: See, I don't think the Knicks would give up their 2020 pick just because, as great as it would be to have a guy like Chris Paul that can do exactly what he's done in Oklahoma City, be a leader, you know, help develop some of these young guys, long term, like bringing in a number six pick, in my opinion, and I know the Knicks have always had some strange (laughs) outlooks, but I'd much rather have the number six pick and, and Take a flyer that he could be really, really, really good, then bring in a guy like Chris Paul for a year or two of mentorship. I
4: agree, I agree. with you, Nick. I think I we're just work. banking on the Knicks being the Knicks. But, like you <laughs> said, with new leadership, that could change. We'll see. I don't, I don't even know if Presti would send him to the
2: Knicks knowing how much of a hellhole the Knicks are. I mean, that's Presti, a good fair point, point Presti too. seems to be a kind of dude that, like, if you're young, that, you know, he can send you pretty much anywhere. But if you're a dude that's like, pretty high caliber player um that wants to go compete win championships now and you're well respected in the league he's not going to do that especially to a former superstar and a really good player and star and Chris Paul he's not going to do that for the rest of the league he would not send him to the Knicks um in exchange for some chump change uh he would have he would do something like if, they, if it was the Knicks uh, there'd be a much bigger deal i feel like in hand i'd be feel like i could be a three-team trade to get the knicks on par with somebody but i don't i don't i don't see
4: this trade happening i just think ian begley's like looking for Spit content and looking for con- i agree yeah. yeah that's a really good point though kamiar because you have to realize that the thunder are a small market team and when you get players of these calibers that have come through you know you're lucky to have them you don't want them to leave and for them to have a negative perception of your organization you want to be able to trade for a star someday yeah. for that star to want to stay or draft a potential star and for that star to be excited to be drafted by the Thunder and want to stay long term like you can that's do a really good point you can
2: do what you want with the Doug McDermott's of the world but he's done right by he's done right by Russ he's done right by PG um, and he would do right by Chris Paul um which you know he might be his new GM in New York anyways right stupid <laughs>
3: i i definitely think there's a balance there you know of doing right by chris paul and and seeing what he wants and balancing that while also doing what's best for the franchise and and for you to build a successful team and it's a really interesting like gray area in the middle there i don't know if there's like a solid line of something that you can't cross but there is a really fascinating probably not screwing
2: the leader of the players union probably that's a first start right
3: yeah. I mean, and, and who knows what, what Chris Paul wants, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm to win a title. Vastly, vastly assuming he wants to go and win a title somewhere, yeah. but you know, maybe he's, you know, we, we assume, but we like, we don't know anything for sure. And you know, maybe if the Knicks do decide to throw in a pick, Presty says, Hey, Chris, look, man, we, we appreciate you. We want to do right by you, but this is also a, a instance where we can't turn this deal down. Um, you know, we, we talked the same thing about his deal for Russell Westbrook, sending him to Houston uh, like Russ wanted. But, you know, what if Phoenix called and said, hey, we'll offer you three firsts for Russell Westbrook? Like, would Presti still have said, nope, I got to do right by Russ and only send him to Houston? Or do you cash in on those three picks? You know, like, I I don't know where that line is. Um and, and if that line even exists in the first place, you know, but
2: who's going to send three first round picks for Chris Paul? <laughs> no, I get a, you. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, as a hypothetical,
3: like, I, I don't know where that line is. If what if the Knicks offered to send the Thunder, um, like expiring contracts or bad contracts, uh, Frank Nilakina and then the 2021 first rounder they own from the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas will probably be pretty good next year. That pick's not going to be great. Uh, if I had to assume, I'm going to say that pick's going to be in the 20s. Um, is that a deal worth doing if you have to take on uh, maybe like a Taj Gibson or a, uh, uh, I don't know, one of the 50 other million power forwards they have for for a year or two, uh, but you get rid of Chris Paul and you bring back that first, even though it's not a great first, next year?
2: I think we're undervaluing Chris Paul's presence on the team as a leader and as somebody that galvanizes the entire offense and defense and holds everybody accountable. Um, that's, there's a reason why Presti was in advanced talks with the Heat multiple times um, because Presti wanted more than what uh, Pat Riley was willing to give him. So um, it'll come to a head. It'll come to a head. I'm not sure when, but it will.
3: All right. Any other thoughts on Chris Paul and the New York Knicks?
5: Let's give some of our trades. I think that we could get creative here. Like, like, what would it take when it comes to you know, if you were the GM, you know, what what kind of trade would you be looking for from both sides?
3: No, I, um, think, I think that's, that's fair. fair. Um, you I got, got one, one, Nick?
5: I do have one. Um, I think it might be controversial, but I I think. For both sides, this makes a little bit of sense. So Oklahoma City sends out Chris Paul and Hamadou Diallo. So the Knicks are getting not only their, you know, young guy and Diallo, but also the leader in Chris Paul that they're rumored to be interested in. And in return, the Thunder get Julius Randle, Alfred Payton, and Dennis Smith Jr.
3: Hmm. That's an interesting one. Um...
2: I would like it, but the Knicks wouldn't do it.
3: I am not super high on any of those Knicks players, and Randall. I, Randall, I mean, would Randall's good, but maybe my bigger thing is I don't think that Presty is looking to take back players. Like those make salary fit, but what's the benefit for the Thunder? I mean, yeah, you're getting some decent players, um, like in Julius Randall, like he's he's decent. Alfred Payton, he's decent. Um, but like what long-term are you getting to build around, you know? And and I think that's probably what they're going to look for in any building.
5: But Dennis Smith Jr. is a guy that was a lottery pick just three years ago. He was awesome in Dallas. I mean, he was averaging probably close to 15 or 16 points a game and looked like he could be the point guard of the future for that team before Luca came in and he got shipped off to New York and... New York happened to him like it does to a lot of players. I mean, isn't that, does that not fit the Presti mold, a, a lottery pick that's in a bad situation? That's, that's a, a
3: good point. Yeah, yeah, I was
5: thinking of that when you mentioned that trade.
3: Isn't isn't he up for a contract extension this summer?
5: Um, I believe he still has at least two more years on his, his rookie I thought I thought he
3: just finished year three. Or am I wrong on that?
5: He... Hmm. I don't I'd have to, know. I'd have to dig into it's, it. Somebody's Googling... If,
3: if if he is and you could get him on, on a low-scale extension uh, because he hasn't really done much yet, uh, maybe that's maybe that's one. I kind of like the one that I just floated of, um, you know, it's, it's not great value, but if you can get one of their young guys. And since they have so many future firsts coming down the line here, if you could steal that Mavericks pick from them in 2021, again, that's not going to be a great pick but that like gives December you three first. picks in 2021 picks in Right, right. And, and you can, can try to package those and move, and move up in next year's draft, draft or something. something. I think okay. that one's fascinating. I um, like that. that. That would be my guess. Cause I, I think the thunder really wants to get a, a young guy or just amass draft picks again, not thinking that they're going to make every single one of those picks, but draft capital is like the best asset you can have in the league. Aside of having like a massive superstar like Kevin Durant or or LeBron James or Luka Doncic or Trey Young, you have to like the the thing that that is worth the most is draft picks because of the unknown nature of them, right? You you can talk yourself into oh this draft pick could turn into something really really great. Listen to any Thunder podcast talk about all the picks that they have in the future. So I think that's probably maybe what Sam Presti would want. Uh, as far as the Knicks though besides just wanting Chris Paul like I have no clue would they be interested in Hamadou Diallo a guy who is okay but again they're bad at the Knicks are bad at player development so you know would they want someone more like a Darius Baisley? would they want a Lou dort would the Thunder be willing to give up one of those guys if it meant getting a better draft pick like I don't know
4: so I have a I, I try to take New York's uh, perspective into this because, again, it seems like you know, listening to podcasts and seeing articles written about Chris Paul, he, uh, even though he's had such a great season and, and we think so highly of him, think that Presti can or want Presti to get a, a big package for him in return. I think there's a lot of fan bases who still feel that um, that contract is just still too huge and that some of these teams need to be offering other, um, other assets just like draft capital or young players. So, I try to take that into consideration when making this trade. Um, so I have the thunder sending out Chris Paul in a 2021 second rounder pick and in return. They would be getting, well, I guess I should start with Ian's article. He mentions for all this to happen, the Knicks would have to create the cap space to absorb Chris Paul, which includes declining Bobby Portis, team option, renouncing Harkless's um, bird rights, and then waving Taj Gibson, Alfred Payton, and Wayne Ellington. Um,
3: oh no. What are they going to do without those guys? Yeah, exactly.
4: So basically they'd be willing to do it. Um, so I have then I kind of built off of one of Ian's trades. I have the Thunder getting in return Kevin Knox and Reggie Bullock. Bullock kind of being there for salary purposes, but also a, another young guy who I feel like who doesn't really hasn't really gotten a fair um, chance yet, and also has Oklahoma ties and Alonzo True. And I think because of adding Alonzo to that, that the. Um, the Thunder would probably have to throw in a second round pick to please the Knicks. But I think that might be something the Knicks are willing to do. They kind of have given up on Alonzo. And I think he's a guy who still has a lot of untapped potential um, and could really flourish in OKC. Could be a fun player uh, to come off the bench for or a fun guard to come off the bench for OKC and could uh, play well with Shea as well. Um, so that was my trade. Again, I was trying to kind of find middle ground between what the Knicks would be wanting in the Thunder. Um, so yeah,
3: it's yeah. tough though. No, that's an interesting one.
5: No, I, I like it. And and. and only flaw there is that Trier is a restricted free agent this summer I talked to him in New York Ooh, and it sounds like it sounds like he won't be there after this summer
4: that's yeah. a really good point I think um, about that. If, I mean, maybe he'd he be open to come back to yeah, OKC and then he just signs a new contract upon being traded I don't I don't know that's tough
5: yeah that, that's that's a it is a young guy that I could see Presty kind of like the Dennis Smith situation a guy that Presty, you know has uh has a good mindset on we could bring that guy in and, and change the perception well, well, of him. And
4: And Alonzo's been around the Thunder too because of Kevin Durant. You know, there's all the pictures and stuff that he's posted because me and Nick, you know, have followed him and stuff because he played no KC. Uh, Nick played against him some. And so um, we followed him. Like, he's been to Thunder games. He's been courtside. He's visited KD. So he, he's obviously on Presti's radar. I don't know. It just has kind of something that connection kind of came to mind when I was putting this together.
3: Do you think the Knicks would be willing to give up their first this year if it fell like outside the top six and the Thunder traded Chris Paul and the first-round pick that the Thunder have this year via Denver? Denver. Yep. Um, and maybe like a, a Hamidou Diallo or a Terrence Ferguson. So you do Chris Paul, uh, let's say Ferg, and pick number like 25, which is going to be the Denver pick, to New York for for Reggie Bullock um, Frank Nilikina and pick number eight. Do you think that makes sense at all? or am I...
4: I love that for OKC. I don't know, I don't know if that's going to that be, enough that be enough to entice the Knicks to get up that high of a pick. Day. If it were picked Agreed. like 15, 15 or something, or something. yes. Uh, but I don't, uh, I don't know if it being that high, top 10, I don't, I don't yeah. think the, so. Yeah,
5: that gets back but to New, New York giving up you know, one of their only young guys that has potential also giving up their pick this year to build around just to get an old high-contract Chris Paul and a 25 pick that's probably not going to turn into anything. Fair.
3: Touche. I just want that pick. I agreed. <laughs> we got to get Denny of up in here. All right, well, guys, let's move on to if the playoffs started now. But before we do that, if the playoffs <laughs> come back, you're going to have a chance to probably play some bets on that. Taylor's going to tell you just where you can do that.
4: Currently, no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, which have been absolutely crazy recently, and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All are open 24 hours a day and they're all online. I'm getting emails daily from Bet Online uh, sending me reminders and letting me know if they're, they have their blackjack and, and casino open 24 hours. So be sure to subscribe to their email list and you can get notifications and updates as well. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution.
3: All right, guys, so last week we started a series or a segment on the podcast called If the Playoffs Started Now, where we looked at four playoff matchups that would be in the first round if the playoffs had started um, with the standings as they were. So we looked at the both conference one-verse-eight and two-verse-seven seed matchups. Today we're going to look at three-verse-six and four-verse-five. Uh, we'll do a quick little rundown of each of them, talk about key matchups, X-factors, and and who we think would actually end up winning the series. So, Nick, I'm going to have you go first. The number 3 seeded Nuggets versus the 6 seed Rockets. Jeez. What do you think about that series?
5: That that might be one of the most intriguing series. I mean, the other Western Conference series we're going to talk about in a little bit will be more intriguing, but holy crap. That's that's a that's a 3-6 combo that realistically could be flipped. I mean, if at the time the season started, you could have told me the Rockets would be the three and the Nuggets would be the six, and I would believe it. I think that one comes down to how can Harden and Russ play together. Is it going to be one of them gets trigger happy and tries taking over games, and it ends up being to their detriment? Or Harden can they and Russ together? trying to
3: take over a game? Never. <laughs> Never.
5: That's it's it's fascinating. So I think there's the, the, both X factors for this. Series are on the Rocket side of things with Russ and Harden. I don't think that series is in Denver's hands. It's going to be how do those two play together, and then whatever happens, good or bad, with those two is going to be the fate of Denver.
2: I think that's interesting. Um, I think one big X factor for me is, I mean, if the Rockets are playing ultimate small ball, you really think PJ Tucker's going to, he's going to, you know, track on Nikola Jokic? So that's an issue. And I think the bigger thing that I'm intrigued by is what happens when the benches come in. I mean, of course, you're going to stagger Russ and Harden with whatever the hell the Rockets have to throw out there, but Denver has arguably the deepest team in the NBA. So what's going to happen when you have, you know, Denver has like goes like 10, 11 dudes deep. So I'm just curious what happens. Like, just like, okay, in the playoffs versus the Rockets, when they sat Russ, you know, it just all went to hell. So I'm curious to see what would happen when the Rockets you know, stagger two, three guys, and you still have legitimate guys that can start for any NBA team playing at the seven, eight, nine spots for Denver. So I think the, the Denver bench is really the X factor besides, of course, PJ Tucker and Nikola Jokic and how much he can disrupt him, which is probably not that much. That's what I was going to say
3: was the, the Jokic factor. Like yep. Yep. how is that? It's It's two totally stylistically different ways to play basketball. And can Jokic be assertive and aggressive enough to force the Rockets to match up with him? Or can the Rockets' small ball stretch Jokic out enough defensively that that Denver has to match the Rockets? You know, I think that's that matchup there. One team is going to force the other team to play a different style than they want.
2: But Denver can play both ways. That's the thing. Like they can, can stick Michael Porter Jr. at the at the center and be fine. Yeah, or, or you could throw like Jeremy Grant. There. Jeremy, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So or they Or Paul Millsap. So like Denver, they don't have a superstar. Like Nikola Jokic is really great, but he's not a superstar by any means. But they can play. I mean, they're they have great players all around, and they have amazing depth, and they can alter their their abilities to play any sort of game. So it's just like, I. Denver wins that series in like five, six games. I don't they, – they're just too – they're too deep. They can stylistically change to whatever their opponent wants to do, um, and the Rockets are shorthanded. Uh, you're, you're really telling me that after th- three games of Russ and Harden playing all 40-whatever minutes that they're not going to be gassed and have to rely on freaking Eric Gordon and Doc Rivers'
4: son? Like, are you kidding me? So at the be- at the doing our season preview i think i had denver at either like one or two in the west but after watching them this season i'm a little more concerned for this series and it goes back to everything that call Me and jacob just mentioned um and those matchups but specifically looking at the the russ and harden like can um uh, can murray and can gary harris and can some of those guys actually step away you know chandler can those guys step up and actually match that level of play I'm not sure they can it's going to come down to guys like Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap, and others who can kind of help uh defense of those those more explosive guards like Harden and Westbrook I don't know if they really have an answer unless Murray just was able to find consistency which he hasn't really been able to at all this season so yeah, I think Gary that guard, Harris has been awful oh this Harris season. has been non-existent right and then they got rid, they got of, Be- rid of Beasley, Beasley. and uh, Herman Gomez. Gomez and so they really don't have a whole lot of options matching up with uh, Russ and Harden and like you like said, said you take into consideration some of their <laughs> smaller small quote-unquote centers and center power forwards like they don't match they don't up match super up so well defensively uh, against, against the Rockets, Rockets so if the, the, the Rockets can exploit can that back. the Rockets have a really good shot this series.
5: So I, I think that the the Nuggets would win this series one thing I do want to kind of counter Kamiar on is, is the depth thing and depth is great but we've seen just thinking about, for example, like Raptors teams of the past, you know, but before the Kawhi era when it was the DeRose and Lowry team, they had a lot of depth, and during the season they always had some of the best benches, and they went 11, 12 deep, and then it would come time to the playoffs where, you know, teams are really running off of eight or nine guys on any given night. Some of that depth, when, when you're super, super deep and you have guys 11, 12 deep that are a lot better than the other teams 11 or 12, it's not really a factor because go- those guys aren't playing, and the, and the the Raptors ran into that a bunch, having the best the best bench in the NBA all season long, and then a lot of those guys couldn't play, or if they were playing, the other team was playing their you know four, five, six guys a lot more minutes, so it, it just didn't pan out the way it was during the regular season. So that would concern me a bit with Denver. They do have a lot of depth, but a lot of those guys wouldn't be as big of a factor.
4: That's a good point, Nick. And just in general, the playoffs like shorten. I didn't even think about that until you said. Said this, but reminded me like the playoffs in the playoffs, the rotation shortens so much. There's a lot of teams that play only seven, sometimes eight guys. Um, so that's yeah, that's something else to take into consideration. And the Rockets play like two guys. The last thing for
3: me would be like right before the season ended, uh, there were very clear signs that the Rockets were kind of running out of gas at the small ball. Initially, it worked maybe
2: because it was such a shock to the league. P.J. Tucker looked like he got to a fight with Mike Tyson two games in. <laughs>
3: but yeah, they, they started to, to drag a little bit. Their defensive efficiency started going, going down. It seemed like the first two weeks of, of pocket rockets worked. And then after that, it started running out. Whereas Denver uh, really seemed to start to find a rhythm there whenever the season shut down. So if if the season had continued and we were in the middle of the playoffs right now, I think I would pick Denver easily. But now, if they come back, I mean, we all remember what Jokic looked like after the summer. That dude looked like he needed to go to fat camp, like he needed to join Mitch McGarry at fat camp. And the Rockets getting all of that rest, you know, that this situation that we're in maybe changes some of that dynamic to where I could see the Rockets maybe having a much better chance of winning that series uh, after the COVID-19 break. If we get back to playoff basketball in June or July or August or whatever, whereas if the season just continued, I think the edge would go a lot more to the Nuggets.
4: That's a, something you're exactly right. That brings up a nugs. whole new topic to take into consideration. Is yeah, like, so.
3: Instead of going down that rabbit hole, each of you give me uh, your guess on who wins the series and how many games. Uh, Nick, we started with you, so what do you got?
5: I've got Nuggets and seven. That's a long series.
3: Okay, here.: I
5: already said Nugs and six.
3: Nugs and six. Taylor. Rockets and seven, baby. Rockets Don't hate seven. on them, dude.
2: PJ Tucker's. Go- we are going to have a funeral for PJ Tucker in the second. By round. the end of that
4: series, in Jokic is round. going to kill him. We'll, we'll hold um, his funeral in the second round, <laughs>
3: just oh. to make it balanced. Because I like all thing ba- all things balanced as they should be. Yin and Yang. I will go Rockets as well on seven. That's
2: lame.
3: Uh, let's go out east <laughs> now for the three six matchup, which would be the Boston Celtics versus the Philadelphia 76ers. This Taylor, give another, us your
4: initial thoughts on this one. Another fascinating series, how these teams match up. You have the, uh, you know, Al Horford isn't there with the Celtics anymore to defend Embiid, like last season. He's actually on this the Sixers team now. And so, obviously, the Celtics really struggle um, finding an answer for Embiid and at Horford and some of these bigger guys. And so, the Celtics can, exp- er sorry, if the Sixers can exploit that, that's a huge huge disadvantage for uh, for the Celtics. but then you have to take into consideration the celtics guard play you know you have kimba you have jason tatum who took his game to a whole new level this season and continues to progress and to superstar him if he can get there and then jalen brown who continues to show that even if he can't be a superstar he could be an all-star level player and um so if those guys can continue to attack and it, it you know it's like it's the battle of the, the the talented guards and wings versus the uh big interiors like, this could be a series where Ben Simmons is either really effective because of his defense or he's just played out of the series altogether so this this one's really tough for me to be completely honest with you Uh, I think it all comes down to Embiid and Horford and probably Embiid's durability throughout the series
3: I'm definitely with you on that the the Celtics have nobody to guard Embiid at all uh like Tice is good he's not shutting down Embiid um Philly has way more size. I think Ben Simmons guarding Jason Tatum is an awesome matchup on that end. On the other end, it's an awful matchup um, because Ben Simmons can't play offense. So the, the size matchup and everything is super fascinating. Like you said, it really comes down to like Boston's wings versus Philly's bigs. And Philly has struggled all season long and just hasn't been able to find consistency.
5: I have been very high on the 76ers. Coming into the season, they've dude. Been... I
3: picked the 76ers to win the title this year. Yeah, I mean it's they, they they've
5: they still have the talent. They've got we haven't even mentioned Josh Richardson, who's a guy that on the heat averaged <coughs> excuse me, almost twenty a game. To,
3: yeah, yeah Tobias, Tobias Harris is, Harris is solid. solid. He like he's really good.
5: Yeah, I mean I, I think that this, especially with quarantine and teams being able to hit that reset button like obviously it's a it's a downfall for a team like the Thunder who are super hot but for a team like the 76ers I think this is a blessing in disguise I think that this is a team that, that they could come back and and prove people wrong and, and show the talent they have and beat this Boston Celtics team in a playoff series
2: yeah I've got three x factors that are pretty critical I mean I've got Embiid's back versus Joel Embiid uh he's always hurt this man, like he's like, since he's been in the league, ha- has he not missed playoff games and has he not missed anything? Like, I think the answer is no. Like, this dude has chronic back issues; he's always hurt, and it limits him. And uh, he, so, you are going to be forced to play out Horford, which is like you know, you say it as a negative thing. He's a, still an excellent player, even though he's aging. Um, so that's one of them. Another one I got is post D. Uh, basically, yeah, like you guys said. I mean, the Celtics play Gordon Hayward at the four, right? <laughs> that's that's that could be a really big issue, especially if these Sixers do, uh, especially if the Sixers do go big with Horford at the four and Joel Embiid at the five. That's going to be really bad times for Boston. And then I think it comes down to like kind of what Taylor said: guard play or wing play. I'm putting them at the guard play. Um, slash wing play. I've got Tatum and Brown versus Jay Rich and Tobias Harris basically. And I know Harris, I know Tobias Harris plays the 4 on offense, but he plays everywhere for them on the wing. Um so what like what happens between those two groups of dudes really I think ultimately will decide the game. I think it'll decide the series about how effective they can be in shutting each other down and I think the last time I saw Jason Richardson, Richardson, he was hurt too, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, he I was think so. Up. Yeah, I think you're right. So they gotta get and,
2: healthy and in shape.
6: And sure.
3: Boston likes to go small sometimes with like Kemba, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason yep. Tatum, and then like insert big, whether it be Tice or <clears throat> or Cantor, whoever. So like in that lineup, you would have Jason Tatum like probably guarding Al Horford, and that gets interesting. Again, it, it's two stylistically different teams. Um, that's a fun one. So, Taylor, we started with you. Uh, who wins this series and in how many games?
4: I'm going another seven-game series, and I am uh, sticking with my favorites to come out of the East. I believe preseason, the Philadelphia mm-hmm. 76ers.
3: Oh, wow. Okay, call here. who do you got?
2: Uh, I've got the Celtics in six because, I mean, look at their depth chart. Ben Simmons is trash. Jay Richardson is really good defensively, but he's not going to be Jimmy Butler. He's never going to be that guy that gets you over the hump, even though he is a good player. Glenn Robinson the third, like, dude, just start Matisse Thybul. Tobias Harris is the most reliable player on that team, and Joel Embiid's always hurt, but you have Al Horford there as a wonderful backup. So, I mean, just, the, again, Nick's going to tell me, won't they shrink their they shrink their court depth to like six players, (laughs) but you got to look at the depth and the quality of players for Boston. Even though I agree that you guys are going to say the front court of the Sixers can just be just so devastating to what the Celtics don't have. I mean, they have Tyson Cantor and that is it. Uh, But I still think it's a six game series won by Boston. I think they have a, they have a lot of shooters and they have a lot of playmakers on that team.
5: Nick, what are you going with? Sixers and six. Ooh, oh, wow. I'm going to
3: take the Celtics in seven. Uh, I just I think they have the best player in the series with Jason Tatum, and I think that matters a lot in the playoffs. Fair. Um, I'm going to save the Western Conference 4-5 matchup for the last. So let's go Eastern Conference 4-5. Kamiar, this one's for you. The Miami Heat, the four seed with home court advantage versus the Indiana Pacers.
2: Uh, to me, you look at like in, in Miami's they've been, they've been like, of course they've been the surprised. Would you say they've been the surprise of the NBA season?
4: Um, they're certainly one of them. I I'm with you there. I didn't think they're going to be yeah, as good as they were. I don't know with if how, I could say they're number one, but they're been. like
3: top tier,
2: especially with how good they've been. Like they are the number four seed in the NBA. Is that not shocking? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I
3: mean, I think the Thunder are right up there with them and surprising for the league this year.
2: That's fair. And, oh, we, we can talk about that later. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Miami, they have Bam Adebayo, who I think is great, but I think a, a, a massive X factor here. There's two, Bam Adebayo and Miles Turner. That would be so fun in watching those two dudes battle it out with those differing styles. Um, but Miami like they like to play small um, right now on their depth chart. I mean, it says Derrick Jones Jr., but we all know I feel like Jay Crowder ended up starting at that power forward spot to go. But again, the Pacers play more traditional ball. They play Domas Sabonis at the four, T.J. Warren, who is a big three, like a large three, and he's kind of slow. Uh, not doesn't play that much defense, but Vic and Malcolm Brogdon. So again, you're look you're really looking at. These Heat guys running in transition. Kendrick Nunn, it's a different style of play. Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, um, Tyler Hero, running gun for threes. Jimmy Butler being the best guy on the team, and then Bam Adebayo, of course, winning the skills challenge, having a lot of ability. But I'm still looking at the contrasting styles, and really, what's gonna, what's what's like the X factor to me would be outside shooting from the Heat. If it goes in, then on a regular basis, then I feel like they would have a lot of sustained success. Uh, but uh, as far as, far as, as everything else, else, I'm, I'm kind of really, really not sure. sure. I oh I think oh, that, and,
5: and I, I personally think Andre Iguodala is not going to be great. Um, I don't think he's either. That being said, I don't think Indiana has had the reps as a full team. You know, Oladipo came back right before the season ended. Mm-hmm. He was fine. He wasn't great. But I just find it really, really hard for a team like the Pacers, especially if the season is short and there's no regular season and it goes straight into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't see this team having near enough reps to make noise and put together the talent that they have to beat a team like the Heat.
3: I One thing that the the Heat like to do, and we saw this whenever they played Oklahoma City, is the Heat are a really good defensive team. They're very smart defensively, and they can switch to that zone. And that zone is designed to take things away from the rim and force you to shoot outside and indiana scores a lot inside with miles turner and especially with domos and so if the heat can really neutralize that inside threat by like running a zone and then like calm said how good bam Adebayo has been uh that's a massive game changer for that series
2: i'm
4: at the, at with the all same three time guys entirely i, yeah. I think the, the only other x factor i want to mention is and honestly it's, it's kind of the like overlying uh x-factor for all these series coronavirus and the whole hiatus <laughs> with the nba so well you guess, know if
3: uh if jimmy butler and bam at bio <laughs> get the virus the not we like, might really have to consider indiana here
4: not like that just the whole break <laughs> the nba is going through that gives uh victor Oladipo time to rehab and be 100 yeah. healthy come into the season but on the flip side of that he also hasn't played a full season of or a certain period you know, being healthy, having to jump into a playoff series like that, even with the limited amount of regular season games, you aren't going to get the level of Vic that you got prior to his injury. Um, so I'm exactly with you guys. Uh, I think that he just have too much talent and versatility. And that's what it comes down to. I also, All right. Yeah, I also think the Pacers like the Pacers have
2: Miles Turner as in a rim protector. And the Heat, they, Bam Adebayo, say what you want. He's a great player. He's not a rim protector. Kelly Olenek is an outside shooter. And when you got guys like Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo slashing toward the rim, I, I mean, I know the Heat are a tough defensive team, but these are two dudes that are good at slap being slashers. So I'm I guess another dude who can't say healthy, but I Hey, love you him.
3: forgot Miami's most important big, Kamiar, the tea drinker.
2: Oh, God, Myers. <laughs> yeah, Myers yeah. Leonard. Yeah, I tweeted that out the other day. When he was in Portland, I tweeted out. Myers Leonard, and I tagged him. Myers Leonard looks like the type of dude that drinks tea at Starbucks, and he blocked me after the game. So weak. About as weak yeah. as his game is. Yeah. Tea drinker. Tea drinker.
3: <laughs> All right, so Heat versus Pacers. Call me our who wins and how many games? Heat and five. Nice, I like it. Uh, Nick, what are you going with?
4: Heat and five, I feel you. Taylor? I'm going with the same exact thing.
3: F it, I'm on board. Heat and five. Um, I do like the Pacers a lot. I just think what you guys said about like lack of continuity and stuff. Next year, though, that backcourt of Brogdon and Vic is going to be a lot of fun. Agree. Yes, it will. I'm hey, really they excited can stay for healthy. it.
2: Let's hope they can. They'll be very mature because Brogdon spent all four of his years in college.
3: Um. All right. Well, before we move on to the final playoff matchup in the first round that we have yet to talk about, I'm gonna take a second to tell you about blue chew (laughs) guys are you looking to last longer go a few extra rounds get to bluechew.com bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level they've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work and since they're chewable they work faster you can take them anytime day or night even on a full stomach plus you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time in the pharmacy waiting line. Blue Chew's online physicians is free of cost and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit bluechew.com, get your first order for free. Yes, free. When you use the promo code blue wire, all one word, just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that is b l u e c h e w dot com and use the code blue wire to get your first order for free. Go check it out.
2: Have you tried it yet?
3: No, but I mean I'm in quarantine. Might as well, right? Like, what else am I gonna do? It's fair. Use it it's
2: as fair. like a. Hey, Co- they haven't sent us free samples yet.
3: Do you think you could like, since they're <laughs> chewable, do you think you could, like crunch them up and snort them? <laughs> <laughs> and what would happen if you did that?
2: Uh, I don't know. That does, seems like a Pop bad one idea. me Pop Poplin some pre-workout. Let me know how it goes. I hate, we had this conversation <laughs> in the Slack the other day. I don't use pre-workout anymore. It's really Well,
3: that's going to make it even better since you haven't had pre-workout in a few months. <laughs> you're going to go crazy from the pre-workout this and, and then from the chewable blue chew. Gains I'm, I'm on just gains. saying, man. If you want to feel like you're on top of the world. I like okay. it. All right, buddy. All right, the last playoff series in the first <laughs> round that we have yet to talk about. Western Conference 4-5 matchup. That would be the Utah Jazz versus the Oklahoma City Thunder, although if Rudy Gobert exactly. hadn't contracted COVID-19, it would probably be the Thunder at 4 and the Jazz at 5. He's not making it uh, But power play by Rudy Gobert. He was playing chess while the rest of us were just busy with checkers. He's keeping that 4 seed. Um, I guess I'll kick us off with this one. The matchups across the board here, fascinating. You have Mike Conley, who really hasn't been good this year at an old age of a point guard, versus Chris Paul, who has been incredible this season. The two guard, you probably would say Lou Dort versus Donovan Mitchell. Um, Again, a fascinating matchup. Two guys kind of built the same way. Lou is a great defender. Donovan Mitchell, the whole offense kind of runs through him. At three, you've got Shea Gilgis-Alexander going up against Joe Ingles. The four, you have the Spider-Man meme where the, both the Spider-Mans are pointing at each other because you have Danilo Gallinari and Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, essentially the same player. And for me, the X factor comes down to the centers. You have Rudy Gobert, as well. Steven Adams. Uh, The benches are fascinating. You know, the Jazz have found some success getting a kind of sixth-man point guard who can fill it up in Jordan Clarkson. The Thunder have the better version of that in Dennis Schroeder. The Thunder have Nerland's Noel. Uh, So so you have this interesting balance on both sides. To me, though, guys, the X factor of this series probably comes down uh, to the point guard position, which I think the Thunder has a distinct advantage at. Chris Paul over. Um, uh, what I just go blank. Uh, Mike Conley. Sorry, I was about to say Donovan Mitchell. Chris Paul over Mike Conley, and then the center position is kind of the the toss up. Whoever plays better at that spot probably allows that team to win the series.
4: I agree Ooh. with you completely, and not even just point guard in general, but ball handlers, right? and um so you take into mm. consideration donovan mitchell you know we've talked about him um handling the point kind of early on in, in his career and and the jazz trying to kind of transition him into the main ball handler uh mike conley and then uh jordan clarkson compared to uh, chris paul and dennis schroeder and shea and i i think the thunder win they have the advantage when it comes to the ball handlers. And be, being able to play multiple ball handlers on the court, I think that's where they can really take advantage of the Jazz defense and can do great there. But like you said, like, did the Thunder have a player who can really check Rudy Gobert defensively? That has to be Steven. But can he hold his own and can he stay healthy? That's a huge X factor there. Um, so it gets really interesting. Like, each team kind of has an advantage over the other, um, and, and, and they kind of balance each other out.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's great, man. Like, I'm just thinking of a closing lineup where Donovan Donovan Mitchell is guarding Lou, um, uh, Royce O'Neal is guarding Shea, Mike Conley is guarding Chris, Gobert is guarding Steven Adams, and then like Boyong Bogdanovich is guarding Danilo Gallinari. Uh, could the Thunder possibly uh, crank it up to eleven and go with a four point guard lineup and throw Ooh. Chris, Shea, Dennis, and Lou all out there with a big, and just let them match up as best as they can and just go for it uh, no. to really space let Billy out Utah? Creative. Yeah, you no, know there, there's there's no. there's so
4: many interesting aspects okay. of, of that match. So another X factor, coaches. Quinn Snyder versus Billy Donovan.
2: Quinn Snyder looks always looks like he snorted two lines of cocaine before <laughs> he showed up.
3: He looks like he's from Alice in Wonderland. Too him and Likely. Billy.
2: I remember Quint Snyder at uh, the University of Missouri, and he he didn't look that much of a greaser slash uh, Italian mobster meth user. <laughs> but like, it has gotten progressively worse since he's gotten to the NBA. Maybe that's the NBA players aging him, but like, I mean, he's a damn good coach. But um, yeah, I and maybe we can, next podcast we can talk about Billy Donovan's future in OKC and what that might entail, but. Yeah, I think coaching, like you brought up, Taylor, is a really good dynamic.
4: Those are two fun coaches who are known for making um, making adjustments when it comes to playoff time. I think it would be fascinating to watch them kind of play chess uh, against one another during that Yo. series. They're two good coaches.
5: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the the, the Donovan Mitchell-Rudy Gobert relationship is going to play a huge part. Um, and my X factor, and I've talked about this a couple times in the podcast, is momentum, like what do these teams look like after the hiatus and and what kind of momentum can they carry into the playoffs? Because it's not only for this series, it's going to be huge for every series. Like what, what do these teams look like when this is all said and done, when there's no hot streaks and it's almost like hitting the reset button. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's
3: definitely fascinating. It's uh, it would be a really fun series. It would be a a really fun
2: series X factors before you try to skip over me again. Jacob, um, all right, what do you got? I've got three. So I feel like in a series like this, you just let Donovan Mitchell do his own thing and let Lou Dort just guard him, do whatever. Um, I don't but, need
3: Blue Chew when I get to watch that.
2: Yeah, fantastic. But I think the uh, an ultimate goal in this game is to shut down the white guys and shutting down an Ingles and Bogdanovich, uh, and from sh- from shooting outside because. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's going to do Donovan Mitchell things. He's going to get foul calls. He's going to drive the lane, whatever. You have two bigs that, two, that do two different things and do them very well. And if you can just contain those other dudes, because Rudy Gobert not an offensive threat to most. Uh, Mike Conley is a shell of himself. And really, you have Bogdanovich and Ingles, that they shoot a lot of momentum perimeter threes. And so if you can just limit those dudes and just let Donovan Mitchell do it on his own, I think that's the next factor in limiting those guys on the wings, Ingles and Bogdanovich. Or just
4: let Lou and then you sub in Ferg. You have the luxury of Ferg. Maybe, maybe this is a long shot, but maybe we have the luxury of Dre as well to to Uh, check uh, out Mitchell. But I'm with you, Kamiara. I think you're exactly right there.
2: And then uh, another one is just, and this isn't really, a it's kind of a player thing, it's SGA, CP3, and Shooters, uh, but not necessarily not necessarily them against another player, but it their X factor is their mid-range shots versus Gobert because Utah, they are excellent defenders, except for the mid-range game. And you know what the hell OKC is really good at? mid-range game between... I think CB... Chris
3: Paul's shooting the best mid-range percentage in the league this year. I think yep.
2: OKC's shooting one of the best mid-range percentages during Definitely. the year. That's another great X factor. Shea, CP3, and Shooter, Because Schroeder, in his stats against teams like on in Utah, Schroeder has been notorious for torching Utah with mid-range game. And when Russ was actually hitting his mid-range shots in OKC, and then he stopped, and then he started doing it again in Houston, which is unnerving... Um, he would kill them with mid-range game, and OKC has re- three really, really great point guards that can handle the ball, that are high IQ guys that have excellent mid-range games, and also have two of the best clutch scorers in clutch time in the NBA this season. So, mid-range game versus Utah Jazz is big here. And then my I think
3: last, so. can I say something on that mid-range real quick? Yeah, go for it. Um, you know the the Jazz. They're great defensively, like you mentioned, because of how aggressive they play the pick-and-roll. And they just let Rudy drop back and just protect the rim. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does leave that, that mid-range open. And, I mean, how many times have we watched Chris Paul come off the screen, play that hang dribble for a second right there at the elbow, and then pull up that jumper? And Shea will come off the screen, get right about to the free throw line. And a lot of times it's not a mid-range jumper, but he has got that floater down, Dude, which is something we haven't seen in OKC much at he's all.
2: All three of these point guards, even Schroeder having the best, the best season of his career, and you're seeing Shea break out of his shell. I'm really excited to see what year two to three looks like, that jump that he's going to make. And you have Chris Paul being so cerebral. And all the three of these guys are high IQ. They're team guys. They are not dudes that are out there trying to get their own. Especially CP three. Uh, it just makes for a good, it makes for a good team chemistry. Um, yeah,
3: and you also get like the the counter plays there. So like, what if the Thunder shoot really good from mid range in game one and two? Yeah. So Rudy stops sinking so much and starts stepping up. Well, you know damn good and well that all three of those guys can throw a perfect lob to Steven or New on yep. the
2: backside. And so it's it's just the IQ and the ability of this team to do a lot of things. And like you say, Chris Paul and Shea, they have a really good Hezzy in this pick and roll. And, I mean, Dennis, not so much. He just goes 100% to the rim um, if the mid-range isn't there or whatever. But, yeah, it's pretty unique. So I would say those three-point guards mid-range game versus Gobert – and then my last x factor is okc players immune systems versus jazz <laughs> i'd expect nothing less that was that's yeah. a good one
3: okc been drinking that uh emergency
2: no man men's one a day they have like 300 percent of your daily need of zinc i sat in my i sat in my kitchen with my fiance last night reading off all the ingredients in like <laughs> this vitamin and then like we have google homes we have two google homes um in our house and so i was like hey google what does this thing do in our body and so like it i learned that basically this men's one a day thing is keeping me alive (laughs) (laughs) with all the vitamins that like i need that they're like it's essential to human life and cell function and fighting on viruses and invading bacteria i was like dang like this thing is kicking everything speaking of snorting things covid 19 is -19 is gonna catch a Case of me by when I'm taking this. <laughs> so.
3: Speaking of, this is totally off topic, but in watching <laughs> The Last Dance Tonight, there was a commercial for Humera, which I don't even know what it does, but they start listing off the side effects, and half the goddamn commercial is yes, just side effects yes. that are like anal seepage. Calls, <laughs> calls. It's like <laughs> you you may contract tuberculosis, cancer, but you might, might lose your goddamn arm. And I'm like, dude, what does Humera fix? That is worth these side effects. Number one, number two, how the hell did this ever pass the FDA? (laughs) Like, I don't get it. Anyways, all right, Nick, I know that you're running out of time here, so I'm coming to you first. Jazz versus Thunder, who wins and how many games?
5: Don't hate me, Jazz in six. Oh, Oh, all right. Well, we now
3: have an opening on the uncontested for (laughs) a a fifth host, Uh, Taylor. Who are you going with?
4: (sighs) I'm just gonna follow my gut. Super optimistic. I'm going Thunder in six. All right, Comier, OKC in seven, and Humera treats rheumatoid arthritis,
2: chronic pain, psoriasis, par- Crohn's <laughs> disease, and something else.
3: Oh dang, it's like a yeah. one for all.
2: Yep. For I, heard, uh, I
3: heard. I uh, heard injecting disinfectant also. Ken. Shut
2: up! Stop! Stop! <laughs> dang
3: um, All right, I'm going Thunder in four.
2: What? No! I'm just, just kidding. Shut I'm going up. Thunder in six. Dude, going- I was about to. Lo- I was about to shut my laptop. Full of crap.
3: I'm going Thunder in six. Uh, I I think, I think
2: Chris it would be Paul, I think it would be an entertaining series. Like it would almost, be a blast, almost like the old OKC Memphis series. Yeah, I, I think it'd God. be a, a grind. It sometimes out. a new rivalry. I,
3: I sometimes think back to those series,
2: dude. It was like three, three overtime two. games in
3: a row. Do you remember when Zach Randolph punched Stephen Adams and in the face, and Stephen just like was Demon like, balls. "What was that?" Yeah, because I finished this. Hey, I, mate, you run into guys. me?
2: I finished the Steven I finished the Stephen book. I finished his book. Hey, it's good. He was like, "I was wondering what what happened." Apparently, he punched me. <laughs> then he got suspended the next game.
4: <laughs> I was, Apparently, I was
2: he punched like, you. "Man, I, I miss
3: the days that Stephen got punched by everybody."
2: Steve, I didn't. Even he didn't realize he's getting exactly. Punched. Didn't even dude, them. if you haven't read that Stephen Adams book that's been out for a minute I highly recommend it the dude's fantastic yeah and it. the the whole it.
3: like diary thing he did during the pre-draft process is really cool stuff yeah It's really fascinating really funny alright really guys well we're at about an hour on this podcast I'm gonna play some outro music and let our listeners uh, get on with their life thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast uh, if this is your first time listening dude we can't thank you enough We really, really appreciate you. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to hit that subscribe button. We're dropping podcasts every Monday, Wednesday, Friday while the league is on hiatus. Mondays, this podcast you're listening to now is just our general basketball talk. Uh, Wednesdays are our redraft episodes. This week we're doing 2015. I think it's 2015. And then Fridays, Taylor and I are ranking the top five Thunder players in history by position. We've done centers, power forwards, and small forwards. This coming Friday, we will do shooting guards, which is going to be a blast. So make sure you sub- make sure you subscribe to get all of those. If you're a ex- uh, former existing long-time listener, keep doing you, man. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Go drop that five-star rating while you're at it. You guys enjoy the beginning of your week. Things are opening back up, so please be safe. Wear a mask so you don't get sick. Wash your hands often. Uh, have a great beginning of your week and we will be back with you with a fun redraft episode ready to go for you Wednesday morning. Until then, Thunder and 4.
4: Dion Waiters, Kamiar. How dare you?
2: What? What about
1: (laughs) I love Dion. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.
6: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.